So we're going, to, we're going through the values of family church at the moment. And you know what a value is? It's something that we treasure. The, you know, Jesus said, you know, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our values are, are things that we as a church value. And basically, our values are what makes us tick. What, what are we made up from? You know, it's almost like taking a little segment of our DNA as a church. Now I'm talking Johnny's language and he's nodding furiously because genetics is his thing. And I've learned everything I know from this young man. Let me tell you something. But, you know, if you were to examine us, take a little sample of our DNA as a church and cut us open and put it under a microscope and see what is, what's our DNA look like. Um, and you know what you'd find? I mean, it doesn't, this is not really true. It's not biologically true, okay? But it's just, for, it's just for effect, okay? But what you would find is you wouldn't just find one cell divided up into 12 pieces because we've got 12 values that we're going through. We've been through three. We've got another nine to go. So we're not going, th you won't have one cell that's dissected into these little 12 pieces. Instead, what it is, it's all integrated. It's almost like... These are the 12, pretend I've got 12 fingers, but these are the 12 um, values, and they're intermingled. It's not like, well, today we're going to be Christ-centered. Tomorrow we'll forget about that, and tomorrow we're going to be honorable. And then, okay, we're done with that, so now we're going to be serving. No, 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 they all intermingle. They, they, they sort of, they support one another. They're integrated, okay? So whatever it is that we, that part of our values, that's who we are at all times. And it's just for teaching purposes that we're breaking them up so, so that you can get an understanding of what it's all about. Okay. So we've covered so far, Christ-centered is the most important one. There is no, there's no shadow of doubt. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. We've established that. We are Christ-centered. We are servant-hearted. Remember, just after the Queen passed away, how, how we, we actually shared a little bit about her servant heart, that even as a queen of, of these many nations, she still had a servant heart. Last week, Chris shared about us being honourable. We give honour where honour, where God says honour is due. And today, we're going to look at being community-minded, being the hands and feet of Jesus in the local, in our local communities. Now, as family church, we're one church, many locations. We've got um, congregations in Waterlooville, Haven't, Gosport, Portsmouth, Waterside, Philippines. We're all over the place, okay? So it's great. Um, but So that's why it's saying in our local communities. But this is where we are in Waterlooville. It's the best place to be. Yes. It really is. And so it's, it's about being the hands and feet of Jesus in our local communities. But it's like the old adage goes that charity begins at home. Okay, this is home. You've seen the banners, welcome home. This is home. And within the church, we are continually meeting needs. You know, there's always, life is made up of seasons. And I know it's for all of us. It's not just for one or two of us, but life is made up of seasons. And there are times and seasons in our life where we might need extra help, be it, um, be it emotionally, be it um, spiritually, be it physically. That's what all this, 
this Harvest Sunday is about, is about meeting needs in the community. So this, this food is going into a food bank and it's going to meet needs. And we do provide food from the Portsmouth Food Bank into communities in Waterlooville, just so you're aware. It's not all getting going down to Portsmouth, okay? This affects this community as well. So we... But basically, as a, as a church, we are a hospital for anybody who has need, whether it's spiritual, emotional, soulish, physical, all the needs are covered. And I love what it says in Galatians 6.10, in the New King James, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So charity begins at home. You people, you're of the household of faith, all of us. And so let us do good to all, but charity begins at home. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I was also reminded of a scripture from Proverbs 3.27 that says, Do not withhold good from, from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. So when you're in a position to help someone, do it. Mm -hmm. I just want to, right at this point, highlight yeah. my new hero. Uh, his name, his name is Finley. I can't pronounce the surname, so you'll have to forgive me. But this young child came to the movie night the other night, and um, he told me that he's been awarded the certificate for treating others the way they would like to be treated. And he got a special award. Isn't it fantastic? How old is he? Six. Six years old. And he, his little certificate says, be kind always. He's always looking for, he's always looking for the people, the kids that are um, isolated in the playgrounds. Am I right, Jasmine? Who, who, whose kids aren't haven't got friends, he tries to link people together. He's six years old. He, he came to the movie night. He's in um, with Roz in, in Kids Church today, but I wanted to just, to, if a six-year-old can do this, yes. come on. Yes. How yes. many of us are 66? We can do this yes. by God's grace. Yes. Amen. <laughs> it doesn't mean, though, that we have to meet every need. Okay, we're not, we can't be need conscious. We can't be looking for, okay, what must we do and have that shotgun approach, you know, where you just shoot bullets. Okay, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. We can't because, we, you know, shotgun approach, you, you're going to miss a lot. So we're going to be much focused, but we're gonna, what we're going to be doing, instead of being need conscious, we're going to be seed conscious, being seed conscious. And I think that's what Finley's doing. He's sowing seed. He's going to be so, become such a popular young man you know, by sowing the seeds that he's doing. He already gets it at his age. And I remember, you know, just from my own life, I just wanted to share a little bit about my own personal testimony, is that um, I, was I was born in England, but grew up in South Africa. And, um, and um, I raised my daughter on my own. Um, uh, things didn't work out with her father and I. And um, so from the age of 20, I was raising my daughter on my own. And as those from South Africa or Zimbabwe will know, there are no, there's no social services infrastructure. Mm. You know, if you don't work, you don't eat. There's no money. That's it. You can't go to the, you know, you can't go to social services. That, that doesn't exist. 
And what happened was I was fine with that though. I was working hard and um, providing for my daughter and looking after her. And I was working, I was quite well established in the company that I was working for. And then they went insolvent. And so overnight they closed. And, um, and as a result, I lost my income and I, I was on a good salary for, those, for that season in my life. I was on a good salary. I had medical, medical aid, I had a car, I had fuel paid for, so I had a lot of benefits. But overnight, I lost it. <laughs> I had nothing. I had no income support, I had no child support, I had nothing. And, um, and, but previous, prior to this, about two months before this happened, I went to a church in, in, in Pretoria and I gave my heart to Jesus. I heard the gospel message for the first time and I gave my heart to Jesus and he turned my life around. He you know, I went from darkness to light and there was a radical, I had a radical conversion in, um, on the 15th of September 1991 and, um, and people in the church, it was a big church, they got to hear about my plight and um, all of a sudden I, I'd go to church and suddenly people were handing me envelopes with money. Mm. Um, I'd never experienced something like this before. Never. Mm. I'd been on my own for years and never experienced anything like this. Mm. A friend of mine um, said to me, do you need a car? <laughs> do I need a car? Yes, please. There's not proper transport in South Africa. Yes, I do need a car. So she gave me a brand new car, fully licensed, fully insured, and I could use it for as long as I like. Do I mind putting the petrol in? Oh my God, I think I can manage the petrol. So, and I had this car for a number of years. She, didn't, she never asked for it back until I was ready and settled and established again to give her back her car. And so, you know, I've been on the receiving end of this type of a thing. I have, and, um, and it's quite humbling. Um, but at the same time, it's encouraging that I've seen this work in action. I've been on the receiving end for it, end of it. And so, but as the Bible said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. You know, um, this, this is a blessing, this, this Harvest Sunday. And so we've been in a position where we've been able to stuff money into envelopes, stuff it through people's doors without them knowing where it comes from. It's just amazing. And you must do it one, one day. Just do it. Just, just go and bless someone. Make sure you know where you're going. Okay, don't just go stuffing envelopes in all the doors. Okay, but make sure you know where, you do, where, you, where you're sowing your seed. Okay. So, but the point that I say all this is that our values have to be real. You know, they, they, they have to be worked out and practical. They can't just be pie in the sky, you know, and it sounds all good. Now, we want steak on the plate, okay? We've, there's got to be an outworking. These things have got to be worked out on a practical level. So, we are community-minded, being the hands and feet of Jesus in our local community. So, I thought about it. So, what did the hands and feet of Jesus do? If we have to be the hands and feet, what did his hands and feet do? Do And I know that Jesus' ministry on this earth, his earthly ministry, his three years of earthly ministry, was sort of confined to three things, which was preaching, teaching, and healing. And Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 
So Jesus went about doing good. In other words, and he did the miraculous. And I thought, let me just list some of the stuff that Jesus did on his earthly ministry. Is this okay? I'm getting excited. He, number one, these aren't in any particular order. He turned water into wine. How many have done that this week? No, not one. Okay. He caused a miraculous catch of fish. Not just once, but twice. He calmed a storm. Man, we could do with some of that in this country. (laughs) Sunday mornings and Friday night movie night, please, Lord, no rain. Okay? He fed 4,000. He fed 5,000 plus. That's 5,000 men. What about the children and the, the woman? So he did good wherever he went. Um, And then he he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Healing all. People from all walks of life. Some people have been named. Some people have names. And others weren't named. Peter's mother-in-law. The centurion's servant. Specifics. You know what I'm saying? The widow's son. Jairus's daughter. Bartimaeus. So from a whole range of people, young, old, men, women, children, from every different kind of nationality in that known world at that time. He healed. He went about healing all, whether they were Roman, whether they were from Samaria, whether they were Jewish, Greeks, whether they were Syrophoenicians, you name it. I don't even know where half these places are. But he went about healing all regardless of where they came from. And part of the people, the, 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 the sicknesses that he healed people from, some of them were dire. Leprosy, leprosy, cripples, paralytics, invalids, people with withered hands, people that were blind, the demon-possessed, a woman with an issue of blood, the blind, the mute, the deaf, the dumb. He restored a severed ear, even. And three times in the Gospels, he raises the dead. He raises the dead. The widow's son, the widow from Nain, Jairus's daughter, Lazarus. Man, this is the Jesus that we serve, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And you know what, though? The whole motivation of every single act of Jesus was compassion. Every single act he was moved with compassion. His motive was love. He wasn't trying to draw attention from himself. In fact, he said, just keep it quiet. Don't tell anyone about what I've just done. He wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He just was moved with compassion. He was meeting people's needs wherever they were, regardless of their race, regardless of their nationality, their age, their their bank account, it didn't matter. But Jesus went about healing and touching lives. This is about being the hands and the feet of Jesus in our local communities. And in John chapter 2, we're not going to go there, but it's your homework, okay? Go read John chapter 2 this weekend, this week ahead. It's the, the account where Jesus turned water into wine. And I love that. It's, you know... He was at a wedding. Jesus had been invited to the wedding, a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the the, the thought of a wedding is people doing life together. You know, and Jesus was in the thick of it. It wasn't that 
you know, he was walking around, you know, these artistic pictures of Jesus, you know, he's got these sort of watery blue eyes, and he's got a sheep under his, under his arm, and he's sort of, you know, tentatively walking across a field or a cloud or the tulips or something. That's not the Jesus I know. No, Jesus was a powerful man. He was the son of God, and he was in the thick of lives, right where they were, at a wedding. At a wedding, you can't get more real than in life than a wedding or a birth or something like that, isn't it? But what happened in the midst of the celebrations, they experienced a physical need. They ran out of wine. And in that time, and in fact, I think even in today, if you had a wedding and you had a whole bunch of people there and you ran out of wine, it could be, it could be um, bring dishonor. And it's sort of, uh, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's a bit of a shame thing. But Jesus met their need. In their everyday life, he turned water into wine. And in so doing, he covered their shame. He covered their shame. He protected their dignity. Like Chris was speaking last week about honoring. He, he protected their honor. He protected their honor. Love covers it doesn't expose. Love covers. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7 in the NRV. It says, love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Love always perseveres. There's another scripture in Proverbs that says that love covers all wrongs. It doesn't expose them. So Jesus went around taking care of people, serving them and honoring them. There was this physical need which Jesus met, but even more so was the fact that he met their dignity and their honor. He protected them. And you know what? We are called not to just be admirers of Jesus, but to be imitators of him. We too need to protect each other's honor and dignity and reputation whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your pastor. <laughs> Oops. Oh, you slipped that one in, Sandy. Never mind. Okay, so, but, but, we, but we do. We do need to protect each other's honor and dignity. It's important. Our friends, you know, love covers over all wrongs. So we're looking at now meeting the hands, being the hands and feet of Jesus in our local community. How do we meet needs? in the community and we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Makes sense. Are you still there? Yeah. Are you awake? Yeah. <coughs> it says, good, stay awake. Okay. And behold, a certain lawyer um, stood up and tested Jesus, talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus here. He tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, You're a lawyer. What's written in the law? What is your reading of it? I like that. What is your reading of it? In other words, what's your interpretation? How, what's your understanding? How do you interpret the law? You're a lawyer, you tell me. So he answered, though, this guy, and he's this lawyer, and he says, and he repeats, he says, this is the Mosaic law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. 
um, where am I? You answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, then he goes into this parable, and he says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest, oh, here we go, this guy's going to sort him out, surely, no? A certain priest came down that road, and when he saw the guy that was lying there half dead, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, also from the clergy, okay? When he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who is a person from Samaria, where this man was probably beaten, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where the guy was, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, this is Jesus now asking the lawyer, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, he showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So the, 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 the parable here is about the, the priest and the Levite. These guys are both of religious background, and yet they bypassed the victim. But in verse 33, we see that a certain Samaritan. So it's, it's understood this, this, um, this man traveled from, he was traveling from Jerusalem. Where's my thing? Sorry, from Jerusalem to Jericho. In other words, he has to go through this area of Samaria, and it was well known for robbers and for, for people to be attacked. And so generally, if you were going to go through that area, you would go in a caravan, not a, not a car <laughs> caravan, okay, in a group of people traveling together, okay? Caravan in the modern sense hadn't been introduced yet. But, and so he was traveling, this guy was traveling through Samaria, and that's when he got robbed by these thieves. And to, and to bear in mind, so, and then Jesus says, but the Samaritan guy is the one that looked after this guy. He took care of him. Where Samaritans and Jews are hostile to one another. Samaritans are classified as half-breed. They don't, Jews and Samaritans do not mix. They, they are, Jews and Samaritans despise, they despise each other racially and religiously, politically, in every aspect, they do not get on. And um, so this man, the Samaritan guy, was a foreigner. He's a foreigner to the Jew. You know, and I think sometimes we can ignore the plight of foreigners. We can think, oh, they're just foreign. That's not the attitude in this church. But so often, when something goes wrong in the world, especially if it's a big event, 
you know, you get, you get these massive events that happen nowadays, like the Boxing Day tsunami and all these big events that happen. And, you know, they'll, the, the news reporter will often make an, ex, make a, an announcement and say something like, there are 25,000 people dead, of which 10 are Britons. And, you know, and I always think, you know, when they say that, it's sort of, especially if they're talking about a faraway country, I think sometimes we're inclined to sort of think, oh, that's far away, it's not going to affect us. But the minute they say, but there were 10 Britons, it kind of brings it home to us a little bit, doesn't it? And it sort of um, helps us to identify with the, with, the, with the plight of the people, of those, the families of those 25,000 people that have died. It gives us a term of reference. And I thought of this even in recent days. You know, there was a flood in Pakistan, and I'm not... I'm not um, criticising the news presenters, but just as this is just the way it happens, is that recently there was this flood in Pakistan and it killed 1,500 people. But you know what? It was so low down in the news. It wasn't like a highlight. It was just sort of oh, towards the tail end of the news. Okay, there was a lot going on in this country, but 1,500 dead in those terrible floods, that's a lot of people. And you know, and I cast my mind back to um, Hurricane Katrina when there were 1,800 killed in Katrina, it was headlines for, for, for months and months and months. In fact, you know, things have been written about Katrina. But James chapter 2 admonishes us and tells us not to hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. Yeah. We're not to hold it with partiality. There's no favoritism with God. Yeah. There's no favoritism. He's no respecter of persons. But Micah 6 verse 8 says... What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? What does the Lord require of you? Church, ask yourself that question. What does the Lord require of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And I think back to the, to the parable of the Good Samaritan. There were those three men, all three of these men, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. They were journeying. They were all going about their daily tasks. All three of them were journeying. Two of them saw the man and passed on the other side. But the third man, when he saw him, he went to his help. He went to his aid. And I think... Each of those guys, so all three of them were journeying. They were on their way. They had 24 hours. Each one of them had 24 hours in their day. Yet only one stopped and to pick up, and he's the Samaritan, the enemy of the Jew. So even though it must have been inconvenient, the Samaritan, it says in that account that we read, he was, he was moved with compassion. It was the compassion that moved him. And I started to think about, what is compassion? And it's a, the, the, something online or another defines it like this. Compassion is the gut-wrenching, pit-of-the-stomach feeling when something bad happens. But it's not a feeling of powerlessness. It's not a feeling of powerlessness. Instead, it's a deeply heartfelt emotion that leads to action. And I think, you know, remember the, with, with the war in the Ukraine, I think of that. 
we put out an appeal. We, we're really closely connected to Stella's voice, one of our elders or directors. What is he, an elder? He's Wayne um, Keeping. He's one of our elders. He, 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 he's the director of Stella's voice. And he immediately put out an appeal that we've got, a, we've got a, um, an orphanage in Moldova, which is bordering with Ukraine. But immediately the church sort of, that's it. We, 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 we've got to do something. And I remember the, the appeal that went out for the Ukraine, thousands and thousands of pounds that came through family church bank account, but let alone the ones that went direct to Stella's voice. There was an appeal and the people responded, mm -hmm. but that was compassion. Yeah. That was moving us to action. We saw the plight of the people, but we didn't just say, oh, poor things. Oh, that would be sympathy. Sympathy is also a heartfelt emotion. My little description here says, it's a capacity for feeling another person's misfortune, but it's just an emotion. Sympathy, it, it, it wasn't sympathy that moved the Samaritan to work, to, 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 to help the Jewish guy. It was compassion. It was compassion that moved him. And the qualities of compassion, some of these qualities are patience, kindness, Finley, kindness, perseverance, warmth, and resolve. These are qualities of having compassion. I love what it says. 1 Peter 3 verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you, that's all of us, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Let's have that compassion for one another. And I think of that Samaritan. You know, he disregarded his own diary. He didn't, it didn't bother him. He just sought to help out that guy. He was totally selfless. He was totally generous. And he was kind. And we, we look, you know, he, he, the first thing he did when he found the guy, he bandaged his wounds. How many carry a first aid kit around with you? Oh, yes, I knew Debbie would put up her hand. I just knew it. Chris loves it because he also carries one around with him. But this guy, this Samaritan, he had a first aid kit. And I bet that if he didn't really have a first aid kit, he probably stripped something off his clothing and bandaged the guy's wounds. I don't know what he did. But he bandaged his wounds. He, as the Bible says he poured on oil and water. Both those items were costly. You know, sometimes... Being compassionate costs us. And yet the Bible says he poured the stuff on the man. He poured it on the man. And in the Bible, when we see the significance of oil, oil represents the Holy Spirit. It talks about consecration and cleansing, but it also represents mercy. Oil can represent mercy. He poured mercy on the sky. He poured mercy on him. And, and wine, to me, symbolizes what it does in the Bible, symbolizes the blood of Jesus that washes and cleanses and heals and restores that broken wound. And then he set the guy on his own animal. So in other words, the Samaritan was walking while the, the Jewish guy was on, his, was on his donkey, I presume, on his form of mode of transport but he set him on his own animal that put him out a bit sometimes having compassion on someone's going to cost you 
But then he brought him to the inn. And now he can take care of basic needs, give him a bed, give him food, give him water. And not only that, he paid two denarii for the, for, for the accommodation and for the guy to take care of him, for the, for the innkeeper to take care of him. And two denarii is two days' wages. And yet he takes two days' wages, plus he's lost a day, and he stays overnight. He's lost four days' wages by taking care of this guy, by taking care of him. Oh, I just think how incredible the Samaritan is. But what Jesus says to us is, he doesn't just leave it there, he says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And right back in the beginning of that account of the Samaritan, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy says, who is my neighbor? So who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And most, more importantly, Jesus asks him, who are you neighbor to? Not so much who is your neighbor, but who are you neighbor to? Who has God placed in front of you? Who... In a, what, what have I written here? The word for a neighbor, the Strong's Concordance says, any other person, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. That is the concordance definition of a neighbor. Is anybody God places in front of you with a purpose that you can be moved with compassion? Who is the person in need right now in front of of you, not in the church here, but who God has placed you in your world, in your life. Who is God calling you to do justly, to love mercy, and to, to, to pour out that mercy, to sow into? Who is God calling you to be that Samaritan to in your world? Maybe God's calling you. You know, there's, there's different times, there's different seasons, and there's different callings of God. But maybe God's calling you to take care of the foreigner. Or maybe to take care of the homeless. To take care of the destitute, the widow, the orphan, the hurting, the elderly, the sick. Who is it in your life that God is asking you to show mercy to and he, Jesus's words to you today and to me is go and do likewise allow the compassion of God to move you to action you know we, we can't go around meeting every need what I like about this this parable of, of, of the Samaritan is the guy doesn't set up an international ministry you know, and now, you know, bring all your tithes and offerings and support me because now I'm going to support all the guys that are robbed on the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. No, it, he, he actually moves on and he, he does say he'll come back and he'll settle the bill. It's going to cost him even more. But, you know, we don't have to go and meet every need. And I think I, I, think I might have mentioned it, that we're not going to take a shotgun approach we're going to sow seed deliberately with where God lays us, with the people that God puts in front of us. And, you know, just the start of all this, for a year now, we've been doing movie nights. 
We've been putting on movie nights once a month for the community. And we're doing it because it's what we can do. We're not doing what we can't do. We're doing what we can do. We can reach people where they are at. God has called us to this area, to this town, to Waterlooville, and we will do what we can do to help people in all walks of, heart, walks of life. So it's about being the salt and the light. It's about engaging with the community. That's what it's about. It's about making a name for Jesus Christ in this community. It's about his name being lifted up. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus in our local community. It's about bringing glory and honor to his name and his name only.